welcome back to the Girl Mayhem podcast. I am your host, Raya, and this is episode three. And yes, I do realize that it's late. I apologize. I was having writer's block for podcasting. I didn't know what topic to talk about, but then I talked to my bestie and she suggested that we talk about sex because how I grew up was very strange and how I learned about sex was very strange. And my first kiss, my first encounter, losing my my first encounter, my first time losing my virginity, all of that was a very weird, memorable stories that happened. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Um, give you some background about myself growing up. Growing up, I had one parent who was Southern Baptist and converted to Catholicism, aka she became a Catholic. And then I had another parent who was Catholic from birth. Growing up, I was in Catholic school my entire life except for sixth grade. And sixth grade is where I actually learned how to practice safe sex, even though I never had to use it until college. And um, until that time, all other classes that I had at my Catholic schools had all taught me about abstinence and if you had sex before marriage you were going to go to hell and you don't want to go to hell. So basically yeah it was not a great time to learn about sex. In fact I think I didn't even know what a period was for the longest time. I actually think that my mother gave me a book said hey read this and then walked away. Never answered my questions about what a period was she gave it to me before I even started having those types of talks at school where, you know, they would give you the birds and the bees talks, the reproductive talks during science. But all my Catholic school teachings growing up, everything was very clinical and scientific. And this is how it's done. This is what is done. This is what's happening to your body. And that's about it. Nothing about like, you know, here's how to practice safe sex in Catholic schools. Um I think the only time I ever learned about how to practice safe sex in a school setting was in sixth grade. They did the banana demo where they have a banana and they show you how they put a condom on a banana, but then they don't let you do it yourself. Um, And yeah, I had a crappy sex education growing up. So again, you know, Catholic schools and just the way I grew up. It was in the mid late 90s early 2000s when I was in sex ed um so when I went to eighth grade or when I was ending eighth grade so 2005 around that time and entering ninth grade in 2006 my mother handed me a book now the book she handed me was called the horse whisperer I should also clarify that around the same time I was massively into horses. I wanted a horse growing up. I was determined to get a horse growing up. I rode a lot of horses, all that. So, you know, my mom buys me a book called The Horse Whisperer because it's about horses. And little does my mom know that that has some very explicit sex scenes in that book, The Horse Whisperer. Um, You wouldn't think that it does based on the (laughs) description of the book on the back cover or on the inside cover. Let me read you the description and we can make the judgment call for ourselves. When teenager Grace is traumatized by a riding accident that badly injures her horse, her mother Annie, a high-powered New York Magazine editor, realizes Grace will only recover 
once the horse is healed. She takes them both to a secluded Montana ranch where legendary horse whisperer Tom Booker begins to heal the horse and also stirs long dormant feelings in Annie that lead her to question her marriage and choice of career. Okay, that's pretty innocent, right? You know, nothing there implies that it's going to have explicit sexual content within the book. So imagine my 8th grade, ninth grade self reading this book for the first time. Again, never had sex education correctly. was always told that if you had it before marriage, it was a sin. And if you cheated on your partner, you were also going to hell. Well, this book... There is some very explicit sex scenes. I only knew the technical terms for certain anatomy parts. And in these books, they were saying things like cock and like vagina and pussy and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure they were. It's been a long time since I read this book. I have not picked it up since then. But from what I remember, it was very descriptive and very explicit. So my 8th grade, ninth grade self finds these sex scenes and is shocked, turned on, starts exploring your body, you know, around that time you do because you're going through puberty. Um, So what do I do? I take those little flags, you know, the flags that you put on the edge of the book pages when you're doing a book report. I marked every single page or every single scene in there where there was an explicit sex scene. And that book was my book for about two years until, and I hid it away with all the tabs so no one would know that I had it marked in all the places about sex. Um, Yeah, but I think I told like one or two of my best friends in high school about it. Um, But yeah, so that was my book. And then we had one computer growing up and it was in the dining room. And it, the way it was situated was the computer, like, the back of the computer faced the windows out to the street. And so if someone came up behind you, they could see what you were looking at on your computer screen. So around the same time I discovered that in the book, I discovered fan fiction online. And I discovered that there were not safe for work fan fictions online where they were very explicit, just like the book I was reading was very explicit that my mom gave me. And I learned everything I knew about sex and periods and all that stuff from fan fictions online and this book, The Horse Whisperer. So that was my sex education. The public school and the Catholic school failed me. Thank you, internet. Again, the internet was a brand new con. Well, not a brand new concept, but we're talking about early 2000s. I remember having to take typing classes with Mavis Beacon Typing. Um, that's how new computers were when I was three years old. So again, not a big like thing. So thank you for the internet at that time and not having a lot of parental controls on the internet. Thank you. Because I learned everything I know from the internet. Um, so yeah, so that's how I learned about sex. Now, growing up in a strict household like that, I was not allowed to have any guy friends over to the house. Um, My brother, I have a younger brother, he was allowed to bring his guy friends over, but my brother's three years younger than me. It's just weird. I'm not into that thing. Like, they're the same age as my brother. Ugh. Um, 
But he was allowed to have friends over that were guys, obviously, because he's a guy. I was not allowed to have any guy friends over, so I never had a first kiss. I never had any of that normal teenage stuff that you see in the movies, the romantic comedies, where the guy, like, climbs up to the girl's window and, like, they talk and they chat or they steal stolen kisses out the window. There was none of that for me. I grew up in a very grew up in a very strict household. Anyway, so I never had my first kiss until I got to college. And I will tell you how I had my first kiss. I did not have it until I was 21. I remember that clearly. I think I may have been 22 at the time actually because I believe I had my first kiss and then a year later I lost my virginity. So my first kiss went a little like this. <laughs> I know, Kesha lyric there. But I was out for a friend's birthday party. It was their 21st birthday party. We went to this bar that is well known for 25 cent beers, $2 pictures on Tuesday. We were drinking a lot of beer and pictures and stuff. This guy started dancing with us. He and his friends, it turned out to be like their friend's birthday too. So we we're all dancing, chilling. Have a great time. This guy asks me that I'm dancing with. He's like, hey, you want to go with me? I need to go take a smoke break outside. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, And he meant like actual cigarettes. And I was like, yeah, I'll go with you again. I am kind of tipsy at this point in time. And so we make our way out the back door of the bar because they have a roped out area so you can go back in once you like had your smoke break and whatnot. And so we go out there. Hey guys, this is the part of the podcast where we will put commercials once ads realize we're the best and they want to work with us. In the meantime, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or SoundCloud and please go give us a nice rating, maybe some comments. Do all the stuff that helps get our podcast out there to more people. And now back to whatever conversation is happening. Hopefully it's funny. So he's leaned up against the barricade. He's got one arm over me and he's smoking a cigarette. There's another couple out there talking and he and this guy start talking about the Chicago Bears. That's the football team for Chicago, obviously. They start talking and listening, blah, blah, blah. The other couple finishes their cigarette and they go back inside. So it's just him and I outside. There is no bouncer. It's just us two together. He finishes his cigarette and then he reaches over and like starts trying to like touch me inappropriately and I'm like hey like I'm not that kind of girl like no this isn't cool you know whatever he and he backs off he respects it and he goes well can I kiss you then again I had never done anything so that was another reason why I told him no the first time and then he asked if he could kiss me and I thought that was very nice of him so I was like yeah sure you can kiss me and so he kisses me. He's also, let's just say, significantly taller than I am. I'm like maybe 5'4", and he's like 6'3", and thus started my love of tall guys. <laughs> um, and so he is like halfway bent at the waist to kiss me, and we're making out, and he ends up turning me away from the barricade and kind of maneuvering me over up against the wall in the alley classy I know right at the time it was hot as hell so yeah he's pushed me up against the wall and like we're making out blah blah and to his 
fair point. Like, he doesn't know that I'm a virgin. I just met this guy. I'm not going to tell him my whole backstory. He doesn't know that I've never been kissed. And he tells me that I'm a good kisser, which, you know, <laughs> inflates my ego a little bit here. I'm not going to lie. And we make out a little bit longer, and then we decide to go back inside. And we continue just making out on the dance floor the entire time that night. And I remember people <laughs> taking photos. And by people, I mean my friends taking photos of us and being like, yeah, you guys are steaming up the dance floor. I think even one time the DJ came over the radio and said something, or not over the radio, but came over the intercom speaker system and said something about us making out. Again, I was maybe 22 at this time, maybe 21. I think I was 21, actually. I don't think I was 22 yet. Um, and I'll tell you why. I think I was definitely 21, about to turn 22. But I was like, we were making out, blah, blah. And then <laughs> he starts trying to get me to go home with him for sex. And I'm like, okay, this is too much. I've already had my first kiss tonight. I definitely don't need to lose my virginity in the same night as my first kiss. So I was like, oh, no, like I can't tonight, blah, blah. Basically, just I can't continue making out he eventually has to go home so he and his friends leave me and my friends leave and that was the end of my first kiss story and yeah that was my first kiss <laughs> let me tell you though about losing my virginity it was a year later so I was 22 when I lost my virginity and how do I remember that I was 22 when I lost my virginity because I remember I was watching How I Met Your Mother at the time and Barney lost his virginity at the age of 23 and I remember being so triumphant that I lost mine a year before Barney Stinson did. And I was so happy. I was like, okay, because Barney lost his virginity at 23. I lost mine at 22. I'm okay. I'm normal, right? This is completely normal. And I get, like, that there's people out there who wait until they have marriage and so they don't have sex until, like, maybe their 30s or whenever they decide to get married. And I get that. Like, that's a personal choice. And maybe there are also people who want to lose their virginity, but they just haven't yet and they're older than that age, than 22 or 23. You know, again, it's your own personal choice. Everyone moves at their own speed. For me, I, for the longest time, was going to wait until marriage to have sex and I eventually just got to the point where I was like, you know what? No, I just want to get it over with. I want to get my virginity gone. I want to lose it. Like, I just want to get it over with. So, again, I grew up in a household where it was very strict. I didn't know anything about sex. And I thought that if I lost my virginity, I would start to know more about sex and learn. And I wanted to know. So, how <laughs> I lost my virginity is a funny story. It was Halloween in Chicago, and if you know anything about Halloween in Chicago, in I was 22, so that was like 2012, yeah, 2012, 2013, Wrigleyville was a very different type of setup than it is now. Wrigleyville in Chicago now, they've torn down a lot of the older bars, and they've started to put in high-rises, they've redone Wrigley Field, and a lot has changed. So if I mention any bars that are not still around in Wrigleyville, RIP to my youth. Um, yeah, it's very sad. So I was in Chicago, age 22. It was Halloween weekend. We, Me and two friends didn't think that people were going to be dressed up for Halloween because we were like, oh, it's the next like week. It'll be the weekend after Halloween when everyone will dress up. No, people dress up the weekend before Halloween. Did not know that. 
So us three, we decide, it's me and two other girls, decide that we're going to go to a bar in Wrigleyville. We're going to go out for drinks. We're going to have fun. We're going to dance. Um, this is something we did quite frequently back at that time. We went dancing all the time. We went out for drinks all the time. Every weekend, that's what we did. So they are leading the way. And I had, you know, hadn't done anything more. And I think I said something like, we were walking toward the bar, and they're like, let's go to Barcelona. And I was like, okay. And uh, again, I was watching How I Met Your Mother around the same time. And so one of them was, I kind of said something like to the effect of, oh, I just really want to make out tonight with someone. And one of them yells, challenge accepted, and starts running off down the street towards the bar. Well, I knew which bar we were going to. We were going to Barcelona. Not like Barcelona, but like bar-salona. Um, yes, to play on words of Barcelona, Spain, but they yell challenge accepted and they run off down the street and I just hear a guy behind us as we're all chasing after this one girl. That's my, again, my friend that's running ahead to the bar because it's like two feet away. I hear these guys behind us go, what was the challenge? Wait, we want to be a part of the challenge. What is it? Again, frat boys, Wrigleyville, Wrigleyville. So, you know, um, but we get to the door of Barcelona and you know how sometimes you're just courteous to the people behind you and you hold the door open for them? I'm a very courteous person, whereas when I hold the door open for someone, I look back at them and smile, and I don't think anything of it. It's just something I've always done. I hold the door open for people. I give them, like, a very nice smile as I do it, um, and I did it this time, was not thinking anything of it. I was getting my ID out of my wallet to get carded to go into the bar because I card at the door to make sure you're over the age of 21. I'm getting my ID out. I'm holding the door open, briefly smiling at the person behind me, not even recognizing them, like not even giving them two thoughts, like don't even realize that it's a guy that I'm holding the door open for, nothing. I'm busy holding the door open, brief smile, look back at the bartender, give him my ID and walk through. Well, Apparently, me simply smiling at the person behind me is an invitation for them to talk to me. Okay, whatever. So this guy that I held the door open for, I again did not, I'm not focused on him. I'm focused on my friends ahead of me who are headed towards the bar. We're trying to wind our way in between a very packed, dense, small bar. And I'm trying to keep a hold of them. And I hear him say something behind me and he taps me on the shoulder and he says something. Also, it's very loud in this bar. There's music playing. People are like shouting over the music. Can't hear a single word anyone is saying. So he taps me on the shoulder. He says something to me. I look at him and I smile and nod. And I smile and nod because it's the nice and polite thing to do because you don't know what they're saying because it's a loud bar. So you just are like smiling like, hi, yeah, nice to meet you. And like continue on your way. Apparently me turning around smiling and nodding to him was me saying, yes, I would like to have a drink with you. Oh, what? I did not hear him say that. I was, again, in a very loud bar, did not hear him say that at all. So my friends and I are, are walking up to the bar. I just thought he was gone by this point. I thought he just said like something like, oh, thanks for holding the door open for me, bye. And we're up at the bar, and he slides up next to me, and he's standing next to me. My friends are ordering a fishbowl because a fishbowl is cheap. And for all three of us, it'll get us, you know, pretty good for the night's activities because we were going to be out for a while and dancing. And we like to drink a lot ahead of the time and then 
just dance the rest of the time. So they're ordering a fish bowl, and he turns to me and goes, so what do you want to drink? And I look over at him, and I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, I'm buying you a drink, remember? And, and I like look at him, and I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'll take a whiskey Coke then, because whiskey and Coke was my jam back then. It still is. Whiskey Coke is the best. And so he orders me a whiskey Coke. And I'm like, thanks, after he hands it to me, and I go to turn walk away, um, to find my friends and because they've already left with their fishbowl they're like chilling at a table behind me and I turn to say like thanks to him and he tries to like get me engaged in conversation with him so then I'm like oh great now I have to like talk to this guy right so I'm talking to him and I'm trying to think of ways to get this guy to leave me alone because my friends are like texting or they're like they're behind me I know where they're at they've texted me to tell me that they're sitting at a table behind me which is fine also, these friends <laughs> love them, but they should not have done what they did. Uh, they left me to go to another bar because I was talking to this guy. Um, but before they left me, what had happened was I was trying to get him to stop talking to me. So I was trying to get him to stop talking to me. And I was trying to tell him like anything I could about myself to make myself less attractive and less appealing to him. And all, it's all true stuff, by the way. So... I start telling him how I love horror movies, how I really find that stuff interesting, how I really love serial killers, and just finding out like what makes them tick and why they think that way and what caused them to murder someone. And I tell him all this stuff and then I'm like, yeah, and then me and my bestie, we like to hang out in graveyards. And he goes, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, we like to hang out in graveyards. He's like, what do you do in the graveyards? Do you like smoke? And he's talking about weed. And... He's like, do you smoke or drink in the graveyard? And I'm like, no, we genuinely walk around in the graveyard and we read all the tombstones and we like to do that. And instead of turning him off, which I was hoping and praying it would do, he kisses me. Doesn't ask, just kisses me. Like full on the lips starts making out with me. My friends are behind me at the table. They see him kiss me and... I am trying to get away from it, so I, like, pull away, and I'm like, yeah, well, I need to go find my friends now. Turn to look at them at the table, and they're gone. They've vanished. And I'm like, what the heck? No text, no nothing. They're just gone. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe they're at, their bar, maybe they're at the bar getting another drink. So I look down the bar. Nope, they're not in the bar. They are gone. And... I'm like, okay, well, I text them, and they're like, oh, we're at Trace. Trace is the 4 a.m. bar, down, way down the street, like four blocks away. And this guy's trying to get me to go home with him, and I'm like, no, no, I have to go find my friends. I'm not going home with you. Like, I need to go find my friends. And I was like, I'll be okay. I know where they're at. I'm going to go. So I get up to walk away. And he insists on walking with me. And I'm like, no, no, it's fine. I'm going to go. And so I left. I left him in Barcelona. So I'm walking out the bar, walking down the street. And someone's running up to me. And I look over and it's him. He's run up to me. And he's like trying to talk to me still. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to find my friends. Like have a nice night. Like trying to get him to leave me alone. He's like, well, I'll walk with you. Like, at least make sure you get there safe, whatever. And I'm like, okay, I guess. 
again, trying to get this guy to leave me alone. He grabs my hand and is holding my hand, walking down the street. And I'm like, whatever, he can hold my hand. Like, I had a couple of drinks by this point. He had bought me like maybe two or three. And I see some people I know who see me and they like shout my name. And I'm like, hi, because I'm with this guy that, by the way, I had, I was finally able to take a full look at him. And he was two inches taller than me. Again, I'm 5'4", so maybe like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, that's fine. And that's okay. Like, you're taller than me, that's fine. But he was dressed head to toe in Ed Hardy. Do you not, like, Ed Hardy. Like, bedazzled jeans, an Ed Hardy hat, a long sleeve Ed Hardy t-shirt, and like, Ed Hardy shoes. Like, what? No. So I'm embarrassed when these people see me with this guy. And finally we get to Trace. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Like, have a nice evening again. Trying to get him to leave me alone. I find my friends in the bar and can, and basically ignore him because he follows me into the bar. And I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know how to, like, get a guy to stop following me at the age of 22. Like, my two quote-unquote friends at this point are so wasted out of their mind that they think that I want to be with him. They think that I want him around and I don't. And they're too busy of their own, like, on their own plane trying to have sex with other guys at the bar because they want to have sex with other guys. But they're not noticing that how uncomfortable I am and, like, trying to get this guy to leave me alone. Um, eventually, I get to the point of I'm drunk He's not leaving me alone. Fuck it. If he's not going to leave me alone, he's gonna, then I'm just going to let him buy me all the drinks. And I'm going to have sex with him. So I did make the decision myself, even though he was very persuasive and very, like, not going to leave you alone, no matter how many times I tried to nicely hint that I wanted him to leave me alone. So I was like, fuck it. You know what? He's here. He'll do. Let's have sex. So I'm talking to him. I'm like, where do you live? Blah, blah. He lives off the Belmont stop. So we're like, okay, let's go to your place. Because I lived up in the north side of Chicago, which was like a 20-minute train ride. And it was not going to work. So we go back to his place. Again, I've never had sex before. Never done anything sexual in my life. And... (laughs) From what I remember, because again, I was drunk at this point. Oh, I hadn't shaved my legs because I wasn't expecting sex. So that's fun. Um, nothing was maintained down there either. Uh, so that was also fun for, I'm assuming, him. But the very first thing we do when we go back to the apartment, or to his apartment, is he goes down on me. I've never had sexual contact like that before in my life. And let's just say my mind was blown. I was like, oh, okay. Um, what the fuck is this? And so he goes down on me. And then it like reverses and he's like, okay, like I get, and then it was my turn to go down on him. And so I didn't know what I was doing. Anything I had read about like giving head was from a fan fiction or from a book. And so I just thought back to what I remember then reading the character doing in fan fiction and that's what I applied to my 
technique. It's still what I apply to my technique today. Um, <laughs> and apparently I did an amazing job because he told me that it was the best, whatever. And so I apologize for any noises, yelling or screaming you may hear in the background. Apparently someone in a building next to my apartment is having a party and it's very loud. So I've had to stop and like go back and try to delete things and it's just not working because they're still continuously yelling and screaming. So I apologize if you hear that in the background, but back to the story. Yeah, that was my first time having sex. Um, I don't remember much of it. Again, that was a time in my life where I was young, stupid, and I have a lot of sex stories that were because I was young and stupid. Um, but those are the two first times. And I think you'll have to tune in for my next episode to hear how, about the times I, one, woke up in a place where there were drugs everywhere. Not my intention. I went for a friend. Um, how a date catfished me will be in the next episode. How I met up with my first, like, BDSM partner, um, how I was first introduced to the BDSM world is what I mean by that. And yeah, all of that will be in the next episode because I'm already at 30 minutes, guys, and I don't want to go any further in this podcast, but let me just tell you that those two first experiences in my life from someone who grew up in a household that was very strict was very my like mind-opening, mind-boggling to me. So I don't know if anyone else has had an experience like that growing up where they were in a very strict household and then like when they got to college, I'm sure most people rebelled or if they just like kind of went crazy or how their first time was. Um, Did you ever have an experience where you were trying to get a guy to leave you alone because you didn't like him? So you were telling him stories about your life that usually no person would like or care about, but because you're weird and you like graveyards and so does your bestie, apparently so does this guy too. So uh, let me know (laughs) in the comments if you've ever had an experience like that. Um, And why do we feel the need that we have to be nice to guys to let them down gently? Like, because let's face it. When we tell a guy no, they turn crazy. And I swear it's guys that are crazy because anytime I've told a guy nicely no, like, it's automatically been like, well, you're crazy. You're insane. Blah, blah. Like, I had a guy who wanted to come over the other night um, purely for sex. And I told him, like, look, I'm going to meet you in public first. I do not feel comfortable with you coming over to my house right away, my home. We can meet at a bar at this time This is because I can be there at that time because I get off of work. We can meet at six on this day at this bar at this time. Does that work for you? And he said yes at that point. And then he kept trying to change the days, kept trying to change the times, kept trying to be like, well, let me just come to your place straight away. And as soon as I called him out and told him like, hey, if you can't respect my boundaries that I have set, that this is where I can do it at this time when I can meet you and then we can like talk and get to know each other and see if we're compatible because I need to vet you in person. If you can't respect those boundaries, then this isn't going to work out. 
because it was for a BDSM relationship. And if you can't respect boundaries, like normal vanilla boundaries, then a BDSM relationship is never going to work that way. As soon as I said, if you can't respect boundaries, this isn't going to work, immediately he goes, okay, no need to get such an attitude about it. Don't stress about it. And as soon as I said, I'm not, he turned completely 100, like whatever, a 180, not a 360, but a 180 and like was the worst to me. It was so mean, so nasty, like was like, you're crazy, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not crazy. I told you, you don't respect boundaries and now you're proving yourself to me. Why do guys do that? Like, honestly, I was down to still meet up with him until he did that. So yeah, what the hell? Anyway, that's my personal take on it. I'm sure other women have felt this and hell, maybe even some guys have felt that way with with women. Maybe some guys have gone through that same thing where they've like laid it out and then maybe a girl was like, okay, whatever. But I'm pretty sure that most of the time that happens with women when they're talking to men and the men are, when the men feel hurt or when they feel that their ego and their pride has been hurt, then that's when they lash out. But again, it goes both ways sometimes. So, you know, just let me know in the comments down below how you feel. Let me know about this episode. If you want to reach out and give me feedback like about the episode or if you want to talk about um, something that happened to you that was similar, like send me an email. It's thegirlmayhem at gmail.com. Again, it will be in the description of this episode and the description on the profile on SoundCloud or Facebook or even on the blog if that's where you're finding it from is the website girlmayhem.com. Let me know. And we will talk all about my first BDSM experience and my first catfish date, my only catfish date to date, and all that fun jazz in the next episode. All right. Have a nice evening or day, whatever time you're listening to this. I'm so weird. I'm going to go now. Bye.